you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets in the car, while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The Around the NFL podcast is being blackballed by the league. (laughs) Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined by a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Connie Fox, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, people? Hi. Hey, hey. Hey. Now, that was accurate by Matt Moneysmith. It's true. They've been trying to hold us down for five-plus years now, and I will not stand Can't for Can't nobody do it. Can't do it. Can't stop us. This is uh, the flagship program on a Tuesday. Special occasion because, of course, uh, Christmas uh, fell on a Monday. Did everybody have a, a happy Merry Christmas? It was great. I was yeah. on the East Coast and the West Coast. Look at you. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Bit of Flew a humble back. brag, but no big deal. Flew back on Christmas. It was great. Business class? I did. Mm. Ooh. I treated right. myself. Connie Fox. Hey. Yeah, well, I, have, I have all these miles. It's not now. like you're going back, though. Once once you've flown business class a couple of times, it's like, that's it. That's your life. The you're amount of miles I've racked up from flying back and forth, it's like nothing. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, the show is presented by Head & Shoulders. Colleen, it is also on video, our video show tonight. And someone pointed out to me that Connie, on her laptop, has NFL Network. Mm. This is the laptop I, of the business class right here. So I asked if I could just get a regular NFL Shield. Sure, you I, did. I feel like this is so, like a weird thing to have on my computer. Um, this is what I got. But you uh, obviously went out of your way to get something other than the network sticker. Which well, you is just wanted. I had the stuck now sticker before, and they made, and they had me take it off. You're, it's <laughs> oh no, it's, it's putting the people around you in their place. I think it's a good move. It's a shot. It's a power move, and I respect. I think they're putting me in a bad it. situation right now. Um, each of us, each of the men in the room, have three children. Um, one quick anecdote I want to share. We each have two two children. children excuse two children. me, yeah, well, that was news to me. Yeah, yeah. very concerned. Dan Dan has one we haven't heard about in another right. state, but I, I haven't met him yet. <laughs> I'm sure he's a nice boy. Um, but uh, it was really annoying. My Christmas cleaning the same room, the living room and the dining room, cleaning those two rooms 
about 15 times over the course of 14 hours was exhausting. That was my Christmas. Yeah, we had that conversation before the show that um, our experiences uh, mirrored each other to some degree where I thought, you know, I vacuumed this section of the house three times and it is 11.15 a.m. <laughs> what were you guys vacuuming? Yeah, I know. I w- it's just, it's just like I have a one-year-old and a three-year-old. My one-year-old, Harry, <clears throat> his only goal is just to throw stuff around. That's how he plays, by making a mess. Jack, the more customary three-year-old boy, um, moves from thing to thing, new toy to new toy, leaving just complete havoc in his wake. <laughs> and and then there's food, it's Christmas, oh, yeah. there's crumbs everywhere, and, and there's spills, you know. Yeah, that, Luke and Colton are back to us Christmas. bona fide ruffians at this stage. So they, you know, every room is uh, a total grab bag. That sounds really great, guys. <laughs> yeah. It well, was joyous. One day, Colleen, I can't believe I don't us. have kids yet. You'll, you'll have three kids. So nice. Too. Connie, I had a great time. It was, it was you know, what, what an excuse to just stay home, hang out. It, it was pretty easy, pe- easy peasy. Yeah. All right. Greg puts it in perspective. It is important to be with the family. You're right. I'm just saying, yeah, it's pretty rare to have that. All right. Now we got to get down to business because we have so much to get to. 16 games, in fact, uh, played over the course of Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Uh, And I think we should just get into it. Probably, yeah. And a good way to get into it uh, is uh, starting in the NFC South, a huge rematch between two rivals. Let's get going. Bunch trips near left. Breeze takes the snap. Backside pressure comes. He steps up and looks long. Wide open target. 25, 20, 15, 10. Veering right. Five. Touchdown. Ted Ginn Jr. 54 yards. John Sadak, Westwood one. True story. Ted Ginn, that was his one millionth career touchdown of 50 or more yards. He's been doing it for a long time. It feels like. Been great for that wow. team this season. I NFL, don't know if that's that's an NFL record. Yeah. Anyway, the mighty uh, Saints defense made... Uh, New York made two goal line stands in a 23 to 13 win over the not ready for prime time or January either. Let's be honest. Mm. Falcons, the Saints clinched their first playoff berth since 2013. And once again, Greg, there was no question who was the better team when these two rivals got together. Didn't really deliver on all the Saints Falcons rivalry hype. A quiet game, a reminder that this Saints team enters the playoffs so different than the other five Sean Payton Saints teams that he's ever brought to the postseason. Because on a day where the running game was kind of secondary, it was the defense. It was Cam Jordan with the monster game. It was those goal line stands. Despite missing a lot of key defensive players, they really stopped Atlanta's run game. And it was a ball control offense with just a couple big plays from Drew Brees sprinkled in when he absolutely needed it. I mean, they held on to the ball for almost the entire first half. It's a different Saints team, and I think it's it's better prepared than they have been since they won the Super Bowl to win some games in the playoffs and actually you know matter in January. I look at the Rams and the Vikings as really trustable entities in the NFC, but the Saints also, because they can beat you in so many ways. I also thought we were watching this game together. One of the best interceptions I've seen ever, yeah. Marshawn Lattimore's butt pick. I guess we pick. call it a butt pick. Are we maybe. calling it a butt pick? I don't I don't know. Know. Maybe, that, maybe, maybe we could work There's a shot. lot of crazy okay. little names. Did you have one? 
the butt. I mean, I was just calling it the butt interception, but that's way too many syllables. That's, I mean, butt pick easier. rolls off the tongue. It rolls less syllables. Good. It's, it's got the double entendre of grossness. I like it. Yeah. But that, that play was very telling, I think, for this Atlanta Falcon season. Julio Jones was not in the game on a third and long. What was that? I'm not sure if it was because he made a mistake earlier in the in the previous two downs or what it was. So they bring in Marvin Hall, who's had two catches all year. He drops a pass over the middle, which was a good throw by Ryan. So Ryan ends up getting a wildly unlucky interception. Things that just could go wrong against the Falcons have this year. And that was the case in this game where they were just so flat and at no point at some point you just got to trust I guess that this is who they are. Yeah and I think too we have to mention the Saints I mean obviously they looked like the better team here but they did have some blocking issues when Teron Armstead went down Yes, and they were really not good on third down at all they only they were three I think of 13 on third down only the uh, Falcons were worse and they only converted two third downs or I think yeah the <clears throat> the loaded nature of the NFC, the top-heavy nature, I should say. The Saints at 11-4 and four are currently projected as the fourth seed. Is there any path, Greg, that gets them uh, to a first seed? No, but a bye, yes. No. No, they're, they're locked. Out, they're out for the bye. They're either going to be the three or the four. Don't think that's the worst place to be. You, you might have a tough you know, wild card home game there. But who knows? Maybe you're going to Philadelphia in the divisional round, which does not sound like you know, the worst thing. No, not, not at after all. what we saw last night. All Falcons right. still alive, too. They need a win against Carolina. Still alive, but I'm ready for the Falcons to go home. Well, yeah, it's down to... It's, it's been a little bit of a boring it's season. It's been for pretty rough to watch. <laughs> it is. Every time, like, you think, okay, this is the game that, that they need to show up, it's like they, they don't show up. That said, if they win on Sunday against Carolina at home, they're in and heading on the road in the playoffs. It comes down to Atlanta and Seattle, and I've, I kind of just started feeling this late on Christmas Eve, it feels like the Falcons are going to lose out and they're still going to get into the playoffs. Really? That's kind of my scenario because that all that needs to happen now, they've already got the Lions lost. They're out. They lose. And the Seahawks lose to Jimmy Garoppolo. Feels very, very possible. Very possible. Jimmy Garoppolo's not going to lose, obviously. And this Falcons team... <laughs> I know they turned the switch. They flipped the Seahawks switch Seahawks faced the Cardinals. Year. I knew I just spaced on that. The, the Seahawks placed the Cardinals. Right. Rams Not have Jimmy Garoppolo, but I can see the Cardinals going into Seattle. That's a, a rivalry game right. that Arizona's done pretty well, and Arizona's not playing that bad, and Seattle ain't that good. This Falcons team is not going to flip the switch like they did last year. Um, they couldn't flip a switch all did. season, no. Uh-huh. All right, uh, let's check in uh, with another NFC South superpower. Newton fumbles the ball, picks it up, dives forward, and scores a touchdown. They all fumble Ruski almost. He fumbled oh Ruski. My goodness. Come on, guys. Mick Mixon, Eugene Robinson, WBT with the call. Cam Newton fumbled, bumbled, then scored on a two-yard touchdown run with 35 seconds remaining to lift the Panthers to a 22-19 win over the Bucks in Charlotte. The win clinches a playoff spot for Carolina which is now uh, went to the playoffs four of the past five seasons. Connie, why was this game so close? Ugh, you know what? Tampa was actually the better team, I think, for most of the game here. They led most of the game. They outgained the Panthers, but it was just kind of sloppy for them. And 
this made Panthers fans, they made Panthers fans basically wait and sweat it out the entire game until you just heard that play. Cam Newton. He fumbled himself. The fact that, <laughs> I mean, it took till the final minute for Cam Newton to save the game, the game-winning drive there. He fumbled the snap, and then he was able to grab the ball and somehow get through. Incredibly fortunate because yeah, that ball... You know, it's an oblong sphere, guys. It could have bounced in any direction, but it just stayed right in front of him, and was, nobody was able to crash the line and and muck up that area. And, the, and then he basically fell into the end zone. It was one of the more lucky plays of the season, considering the stakes. And that's what the game came down to, which I was, I was surprised, and I guess I shouldn't because it's a division game. But Carolina, the fact that they looked like this against the Bucks for that long on the game, that's concerning a little bit here. I'm concerned. It's their season in a nutshell, though. Like, it's ugly, and it doesn't really make sense. Like, they're they're saying they're breaking down the game afterwards, chanting Jerry Richardson's name, the, the team owner who's now selling the team. That sort of doesn't make any sense. But then you look up at the end of the day, and they're 11-4, and four, and Cam Newton's the reason, and maybe it doesn't have to be pretty. They, they somehow find a way. They still have a chance for a bye. You know, the the, uh, yeah. the Rams don't have yep. a chance. The Saints don't have a chance. But the Panthers still have an outside chance at a bye. It's crazy. I mean, right now where it sits, they'd go into New Orleans and play them in the in the wild card round, which is I feel like these NFC South teams have played each other 145 yeah. times this season. Especially because all the games have <laughs> come wrong? at the end of the, the year. Schedule. Well, you are wrong. Right. Oh, yeah. I am wrong. They, it just they feels that way. the same as every other division. Uh, they, yeah. their, their schedule is so backloaded, and they play the Falcons this week in, in what's one of the more interesting games. Play. Oh, there it is. Oh, look at that. Great like playoff calculator now on the Greg line. disseminated plenty of playoff can scenario just, information before went going online there. Can but. I just say, I called my house a few weeks ago oh, and uh, a fax machine <laughs> answered. Come on. I, and I was like, Dad... Do you what? Why is there a fax machine on? He's like, oh, you need to you need to fax something. No, there's a fax machine answering the house phone. What are you doing? Dad, get off the phone. You're ruining my life. <laughs> Dad, you meant maybe Gonzo was nine, using the fax. Get out of 1996. I have Dad, no idea please. what you're doing. Pennsylvania, okay. man. I'm telling you. Yeah. Let's check in on the team of ATL. <laughs> Shock and snap. Swing pass. Left side. Gurley on the screen. 20. Got to block. 25. Into space. 40. And he's Todd Gurley hits the Jets midfield. He's gone. Todd Gurley. 20. 10. Gurley for MVP. Oh. I liked it. I agree. JB Long. MJD. Our boy. KSPN. And Lindsay, let's cut that for the top 10 nominations of the calls of the year. Because whenever you could stump for MVP at the end of a 80-yard catch and run, I had fun with that one. I hope you did too. Todd Gurley won tens of thousands of fantasy championships single-handedly on uh, Saturday, Sunday, piling up over 275 yards from scrimmage and two touchdowns. But it was Jared Goss, 14-yard touchdown pass to Cooper Cup in the fourth quarter that helped the Rams and allowed the Rams to sneak past the Titans 27-23. to The Rams clinched their first NFC West title since 2003, and the Titans have lost three in a row, but still in control of their destiny in the AFC playoff chase. Mark, Todd Gurley seems to be getting more explosive every week. This bodes well for L.A. Super Bowl chances. Yeah, I mean, you call him a running back, but his level of dangerous playmaking ability in the passing game, in the screen game, is unparalleled right now. I mean, I guess you look at Alvin Kamara as someone else in the playoff picture that can do the similar stuff, but 
This is a team without a lot of overt weaknesses with a player who absolutely is deserving of MVP conversation and mention and votes playing at the height of his powers at the perfect time. I came out this game, though. The Rams, to me, I think they have a chance to potentially go into the playoffs and mow teams down and wind up in the Super Bowl. I mean, it wouldn't. I don't think that should be a surprising scenario if they if they accomplish that. What concerns me in this game a little bit, and it's it's a one week thing, was that a very vanilla Titans team did an adequate job passing the ball against them and made, too, made a few too many plays downfield from a, a, an air attack that shouldn't scare anyone. The second thing for me is the kicking situation. Sam Ficken. Yeah, I mean Sam Ficken. So what you was Ficken kidding me? They tried out eighteen. 18- <laughs> kickers who don't have a job and this is the guy they picked i mean i understand he, he was working like in a connecticut brokerage six days early you might have been so. working in that office at some point in your 20s never i you have to pass a series of like <laughs> mathematical tests that will never happen. mail room or something i don't know mail room sure i understand i'm concerned because they, they had a chance they were at the titans 32 yard line early in the game and had to dial up a johnny hecker fake punt i mean there's not a lot of confidence in sam ficken to start with that was before he started missing then he kicks. started yeah. missing kicks i these games are going to come down to things like this, and I have to wonder if they have to go try someone else immediately at this position. This was a hazardous choice. It, <laughs> it would, he hadn't kicked in four them. years. He hadn't kicked in a game since 2014. I it's mean, rough. a little crazy. That is kind of odd. That's an odd choice for them. Their special teams was so good, too, before Greg Zerline got hurt. And- well, this is also why you, we all jumped to Barry... Fickle and and the Rams for their decision making. Fickle, but, but we all Ficken. Ficken, but we all. Well, I don't need to learn his name. He's not going to be in the NFL much longer. But um, John Fossil is also being heralded as one of the best special teams coaches in the league. I'm sure he knows what he's doing. He saw something in the fickle, and it didn't work out. Maybe, uh, but they we'll should get somebody else in there. Maybe he irons out the issues. Take a look. I don't know. Take I a look. I think the Titans. This was a good recipe for them to play their best game. They're at home. They desperately need the win, and they came out. But for the third straight week, you really see the difference between Mike Malarkey and the opposing coach. A lot of those Todd Gurley receiving touchdowns this year have been wide open. Like, when they're in the red zone, they dial up great plays where where Goff has defined easy throws. His, his game-winning touchdown wasn't easy. That was a great play by Jared Goff. But then you look at Tennessee. When they're in the red zone, they spend 15 plays inside the five-yard line, and they can't score, and they never get their guys wide open in space. It's very rare you see Mariota throwing to an open receiver, and Malarkey's one of those guys that I think if they don't win this game, I think we're going to see a new head coach in Tennessee. So it's it's such a big game on Sunday. It's weeks in a row, and it happened against the Niners. It happened this week where with two inside the two-minute warning – you have Marcus Mariota, a quarterback that we gushed over last season and previous years for good reason. Not they're not getting it done. Right. Their defense isn't getting it done. Their offense is, and they can't. They have chances to win these games and close the season out strong. No capability well, to do it. It was nice though, that we saw finally Corey Davis have that big game that we were expecting. I mean, it, two he, big catches. Yeah, so he went six for ninety-one, and I had been waiting for it all season. There you have it. Ten- Tennessee's in with a win next week, so they, they, at least <sighs> with all this struggle, and they, God. they could even get in with a loss. Don't with do a little, it. Bit of, a little bit of luck. <laughs> don't need them in Wild Card Weekend. Don't want them. Don't, I don't, don't think, need them. You're going to get them. I don't think we're going to get them. Uh, one last note. Uh, let's, you know, it's a Tuesday show. So a little Shoulders of Greatness presented by Head and Shoulders. Yeah, it will, a little shout out to Todd Gurley, of course, for magnificent game. Greg, I will, I will cue you up on this. Hmm. You have been very staunch in your uh, support of Tom Brady to win his third MVP. Todd Gurley now has 
just the type of numbers that you cannot ignore in this type of race. Do you think Gurley's got a shot? Oh, he's definitely got a shot because I think I think voters and people in general are looking for any reason not to vote for Brady and Brady's oh give it. Well, that's true. I mean, we've spent most true. of the okay. season. That's your opinion. It, it, we've very, spent most of the season looking for other, other reasons, <laughs> people to, to vote for uh, other people. And Gurley is a great person to vote for. I mean, you saw over the last month how important he's been. People remember the last month more than anything. Brady's, I think, played two of his worst three games of the season uh, over the last three weeks. I would definitely vote for Tom Brady because I think the the gap between his value, let's say, and Gurley's, not just that their positions, but in terms of how they played over the first 10 weeks of the season would be significantly ahead for Brady where I'd give him the vote, but I wouldn't kill people for voting. But that does come down to position too, because a quarterback's always going to have a bigger impact than a running back. Right, but I can't do I wouldn't say Todd Gurley necessarily, I think he is, was their most valuable player. I don't think he was the most valuable running back in the league for the first nine or 10 weeks. He was one of, he was up there, but he was my top guy. Congratulations on those shoulders of greatness. Mm. Todd Gurley, which of course is presented by head and shoulders. Mm. Speaking of Tom Brady. Brady screens it left for Lewis. Deion hop step to the right pass for them. Wow. Accelerates past the five. Into the end zone. Touchdown. Patriots. Start the buses, boys. This one's over. Bob Sochi and the Zolak WBZ with the call. Start the Bills buses? Okay. Huh. Somebody's getting their buses started. Tom Brady passed for two touchdowns, and the Patriots remain in line to claim home field advantage throughout the playoffs. In the AFC, a 37-16 to win over the Bills on Sunday. Uh, yes, the Pats are a win away from the number one seed and will skip the wild card round for the eighth straight year. Is that correct? I think it's nine. Jesus Christ. No, isn't no. it? It's eight. And a little, it's bit, eight. Of, a eight. little eight. bit of news out of New England, eight. by the way. What's up? Ooh. None other than James Harrison is visiting Foxborough today, according to reports. I like wow. that. That's stupid. Um, <laughs> Greg, the final score here, though, didn't quite reflect the tenor of this game, did it? No, it was a really well-played game by the Bills that was back and forth through three quarters. These t- two teams looked about as even uh, as possible, which could raise some red flags. You know, the thing I'd be most worried about is Tom Brady hasn't been as sharp over the last few weeks, certainly in this game. That said, you know, Football comes down to, like, the fourth quarter matters. They close so well. They know they've been through these games. I think there's a part of Brady and Belichick that probably don't mind that they're getting put in these different situations that they have to answer, that he throws a pick six, and you know what they do? They respond with a touchdown the next drive, that they close out a a game that's not going well. So overall, getting the one seed is massive for them because I think they need all the help they can get. You like the idea of them being tested versus rolling into the... I, I, I think agree with that. A little bit. They're not closing this, the season looking better than they did during the middle of the season, which is a hallmark of their championship teams, which is why one reason why I don't think they're necessarily going to win the championship. I don't think they look better than Pittsburgh right now. I mean, are we going to talk about it? The Kelvin Benjamin situation? Sure. Let's do it. Talk about it. what? The, what was that? That that had I don't understand how that was overturned. The bad overturn. If, what happened to just needing clear and obvious yeah. evidence? To it is now. It's pretty clear under this new and what Connie, of course, is referring to is late in the second quarter. The Bills hanging around in in New England with their playoff hopes potentially on the line. Uh, and Tyrod Taylor hits Kelvin Benjamin in the back of the end zone on a very nice pass. He gets both feet down, and it looks like he gets the ball. They rule it a touchdown on the field. They send it to old Riveron in New York, and he overturns it. And 
what's become clear, and I think why everyone's more frustrated than usual even with the catch rule, is that under this new leadership uh, in the post-Dino Blandino era, it appears that they've changed the rules where right. it used to be send it to uh, for review. Well, it used to be the, the on-the-field referee had... This a, is the first yeah, time it's been yeah, in New York, now, really. They send it to New everything. York. But what, what I mean specifically is it used to be, okay, we're going to go with the call on the field unless they blew it. And if we see that it's clear that they blew it, then we'll change it. But if it's kind of borderline, we'll keep the call. And everybody was like, okay, that makes sense. But what's happening now is they're sending it to New York and the play's being reofficiated entirely. And that's why you see something like this. This should have never happened. Mm-hmm. This was a catch and it was a huge play in the game potentially because who knows what happens going to halftime winning. Maybe the game turns out differently. Yeah, they went. They ended up even getting a lead in the third quarter. It could have been a different game. And I think it was especially frustrating for everyone except Patriots fans because the Bills dropped a touchdown that looked exactly like the Jesse James play, yes. the play before this. So it was just the feeling that the, the Patriots are getting every break possible. And it, it certainly that's the case. I mean, this comes seven days after the abomination of the, the catch rule with Jesse James. Mm. It's just amazing. By the way, Bills owner Terry Pagula was on the Buffalo Sabres team-produced radio program on mm. Tuesday. He owns the Sabres as well. Yes, right? he does. It's an NHL team, Mark. I am well aware. <laughs> you're where, you're well, because Sabres? there was a period where Rex Ryan, you know, was painting his truck and we're roaming around with Sabres gear on, you know. Anyway, uh, this is what Pagula had to say. Obviously not happy. Um, they obviously weren't looking at the same television the rest of the country was looking at, were they? You know what? You could probably find somebody in the country that disagrees with that catch, and I know one would – one. And I know one guy would be Al Riveron sitting in New York City, but everyone I talk to, and they're not Bills fans, and they're not necessarily anti-Patriots, they're all baffled by the call, which just wasn't consistent with what replay should be added. Uh, I don't know what's going on, but we have to fix it. And I'm not saying that as the owner of the Bills. I'm saying that as a football fan. We can't have stuff like this happening in our league. Preach. It's well said. Anyone inside the AFC East, if you had any hopes or notions that this season might be a little bit different (laughs) than the past 20 you know, if you're Buffalo, it's exact. The script it plays well, that, out exactly the same. And the end of that game from that catch on played out like every other Bills Patriots game. Yeah. Well, the Bills took a lead. Like they were even pretty competitive through it was the sixteen sixteen midway through the third quarter. Yeah. And but Gronk took over. Gronk is at his absolute peak. He trashed a Pro Bowler and Micah Hyde in that game. And the eight straight buys. We could go back four years and listen to the podcast we did in 2012. And I went on. A, I think I went on a big soliloquy how the fourth or fifth straight buy which tied the all-time record, was the greatest achievement in like modern football history <laughs> that will never be touched. It's been doubled. Because, right. because it, I think being one of the four top teams in the entire NFL, the, the entire NFC playoffs isn't even going to make it back this year to the playoffs. Being one of the a bye team two or three straight years, you know, at that point, four or five straight years, is so incredible. And here we are four years later, and the streak's still going. And one it's quick ridiculous. difference between it's them ridiculous. and the Steelers, you could say all the Steelers are going to knock New England out potentially, is that if, if you're New England, every week it's a different player that you're using to upend the opponent. Deion Lewis had a career game, and three weeks ago it was Rex Burkhead. And the Steelers, they lose one or two main characters, and they're done. He's a top 10 back right now. In the league, Deion Lewis. Deion Lewis can play. Speaking of Gronk, he was asked about this incredible run by New England over the past eight years. And (laughs) here's what he had to say. Rob, this is the eighth straight year that this organization has won 12 or more games 
in your feeling, what does it say about the consistency of this organization to be able to accomplish something like that? Uh, it's unbelievable. And if you think about it, I just I got here eight years ago. Don't so think too hard, Doug. Maybe that's the reason. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God! If you're watching this on video, and uh, that would be an he's achievement. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. Yeah, he's not wrong. Belichick, by the, the way, the look on his face. He'll be cleaning up trash on the side of the Mass Pike for like a week in the off season for making a joke like that during the press conference. Yeah, Bill doesn't like that. That's where the two ball. He's not wrong. The two, uh, ex, you know, Patriots ball boys are buried underneath the Mass Turnpike. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's check in uh, with um, not quite the throne of ease, the New York Jets. Rivers in the shotgun, takes the snap, looking to the right, throwing middle of the end zone, caught, touchdown, Rivers to Gates. I don't need to tell you who that is. Matt Money-Smith with the call. Uh, I talked to Money, by the way, um, in the studio last week. We were just catching up, and I asked him about his call. Dangerous, humble brag by you? Which, mm-hmm. well, no. no, definitely. I was thinking it, too. Yeah, but uh, his call, of course, his touchdown call is... Knock Chargers wood. win. Oh, right. Knock on wood, Colin. Botched it, botched it. Um, and uh, he doesn't use it for every touchdown. I found that interesting. He big one. He picks his spots with knock on wood. That's he's a pro. Knock on wood. Anyway, Philip Rivers. So he didn't use it there. Is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So if you're, oh, where was knock on wood? Did you cut it too soon? No, he didn't say it there. Knock on wood. Philip Rivers threw a touchdown pass to Antonio Gates. Melvin Gordon ran for a score. The Chargers. Keep their playoff hopes alive. A 14-7 win over the Jets on Sunday in the Meadowlands. Uh, here is the path. I'm going to jump in for you, Greg. Give you a little blow. Give the modem a blow. Please. What? <laughs> no, we're giving the modem a blow. Greg, say it again. Take it offline. Get off the phone, Dad. Yeah, exactly. Um, anyway, the Chargers get in. They got a win against the Raiders. And then they need wins by the Jaguars over Tennessee and then the Ravens over the Bengals. So it's a hat trick, but not exactly miracles are needed in any of those cases. So the Chargers have a very clear path. And um, my, my thought about this game specifically is, yes, all those things need to happen. But the Chargers really need to focus on themselves because I thought for the second straight week uh, they delivered a flat performance. Um, I didn't see any of kind of the magic that we had seen for about two months prior to that Chiefs game. And it it makes you wonder if the Chargers uh, have peaked already this season and if they'll be able to take care of business next week. Um, I don't know. We'll see. So that was my thought on this game, that they didn't really, against a Jets team that is a mediocre team in general or worse. I think they've lost eight of nine now, by the way. They're five and ten. And playing without Mo Wilkerson, and Josh McCown, and Bryce Petty is one of the very worst quarterbacks in the league right now. Um, This should have been an easy win for a team, uh, L.A. team, that was desperate for a victory. And yet the Jets are knocking on the door in the final couple minutes of the game with a chance to tie the game. Uh, Billy Powell ran all over the Chargers' run defense, which is suspect. And if the Jets had Josh McCown or a better quarterback, they probably win this game because there were throws left all over the field by Petty, who just wasn't competitive. So the Chargers got away with one, I thought, uh, and need to be better uh, in Week 17 and if they get there beyond. They've had a lot of injuries, and Hunter Henry, I think, really changes their offense. That said, I think we need to be careful about worrying too much about style points in the this late season. It is a long season. There's a lot of injuries. 
you're on the road. It's cold. Like I, I heard a lot of criticism of like heard some criticism of the Vikings offense. It's like it's 10 degrees, you know, right. in Philadelphia last night there. That's, that's part of the reason at least that some of these games are ugly. And if nothing else, the Chargers got the win. I'll be more worried if they don't Chargers this win! week against the Raiders in a must win game uh, at home. I get your theory, but it also sounds like a little bit of an excuse for a team that not play the Steelers. They won the game. They, the they won the game. ground out a win yesterday and they, they blew out their opponent that, I think that a good team should just take care of business. Well, the Chargers especially, too, coming off of the game that they played against the Chiefs where the offense and Phillip Rivers, they just didn't look the same at all. And then you have this performance, which also didn't inspire any confidence, at least in me. But I think, you know, Hunter Henry, you mentioned him. He goes down. How about Antonio Gates? Mm-hmm. He's still kind of got it. Yeah, he can't move anymore. He can't really but, move. But he, <laughs> he's got that the old man skills. And uh, Jamal Adams is a very good young safety struggled on a couple plays including he gave he was in coverage on the touchdown gates going six for 81 and a touch i don't think it's something to expect every week at this point but the fact that this happens right after hunter hunter henry goes down maybe the old guy's got one last run in him and it would be kind of fun if antonio gates who's never sniffed the super bowl uh, got in the playoffs and was making big plays with his quarterback one more time it's a big part of their offense but if we want to Say, oh, you know, the Chargers aren't consistent, consistent enough to get into the playoffs. We need something better. You're going to get Buffalo or Tennessee. Right. And, I, and, and I, right. all these teams go through these rough patches. I would rather I take my shot and they with, can, with, they, with Los Angeles. And they have a few routes in. Like, they can get in if the Bills and Titans lose, too. So they, they, if they get their win over the Raiders, I like the Chargers' chances. It's better than 50-50 to get into the playoffs. All right. Let's move on. Snap back to Alex Smith, fires for Kelsey, he pulls it in, touchdown, Kansas City, terrific throw, terrific route, terrific catch, Kelsey in traffic, just burned the Pro Bowl safety, Rashad Jones and the Chiefs, with a little eggnog full of sweet nectar in the end zone. Yes. Wow, got it, <laughs> yes. got it, got it. Mitch Holtis, not only did he have that little flair at the end, that was a very descriptive, I'm good at my job touchdown call. We have like right a there. field of 64 with these calls. <laughs> Mitch Holt is KCFX with the call. Alex Smith threw for 300 yards and a touch. Kareem Hunt ran for 91 and a score. The Chiefs uh, beat up on the Dolphins 29-13 on Sunday. Guess what, guys? They won back. They won the AFC title, AFC West title with this win. This is the first time in their 58-year history they've won back-to-back titles, which really surprised me because there have been some runs of good Chiefs teams, specifically the Marty era in the 90s. So is that why Andy Reid dressed up as Santa? Andy Reid celebrated by dressing up like Santa. (laughs) Gotta love Andy Reid, who wherever he goes, he wins. And um, this is interesting. When we were talking about on our Pick'em show, we handed out gifts. I jokingly said uh, that, that... the Chiefs, the gift I was giving was the Neuralizer from Men in Black Yeah, to completely wipe out the middle of their season. Mm. And I'm not saying that happened. I'm not saying it didn't happen. But it, they are now playing like that middle portion of their season never happened. 5-0, and oh, then they lost 6-7. of seven. Now they've won three straight, and they've won each of those games by double digits. And, and their defense is playing well, and the offense is making plays downfield again. Once again, Greg, out of nowhere, the Chiefs look like a team that could be dangerous in January. Four times in five years, Reed's made it to the playoffs. They, like you said, they've outscored their opponents 85 to 41. And so if they had done that, 
after, you know, if that had just been a continuation of the beginning of the season, we'd be thinking of them as a real contender. Ultimately, like the AFC is pretty similar to last year where the, the Steelers, Patriots and Chiefs are the th- three teams I take the most serious. And I think the Chiefs have a chance. I give Andy Reid a chance in a one-game playoff to come up. I know it hasn't happened for him in the past, but I still think he's a tough coach to prepare for. Yeah, I think, too, ever since they switched the play calling to Matt Nagy, it's made such a difference. That's when everything sort of turned around, especially yep. for the offense. But now Marcus Peters, too, the in these two games since he was suspended – I mean, he has been playing out of his mind. He's yeah. forcing turnovers. You were trying to fire poor Andy Reid a few weeks ago. Colleen. I'm always trying to fire that was, that was mean-spirited has, on yeah. your part. She has so a complicated fine. relationship with Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> but, Peter, yeah, you're right. He had two interceptions and a forced fumble against the Chargers last week. Recovered a fumble, forced another on Sunday. Five turnovers in two weeks. After the nadir of his season, and really the Chiefs season, when he picked up the flag like a baby, threw it in the crowd, walked to the locker room at the middle ends, came back out with his shoes on, and then he lose to the Jets like that was the low point for the Chiefs and now they've come all the way back uh and by the way Greg this good is good use of the deer thank you this is interesting uh they are locked into the fourth seed yeah which and they got the Denver Broncos next week they can basically give all their key guys another bye Some week rest. going into wild card weekend and double-edged sword there because you give them the rest and that's the most important thing, but maybe you lose a little momentum. That's a negative thing, but you'll take the rest. I wouldn't write. If I'm, if I'm the Chiefs, I mean, outside of injury, they haven't earned to me the concept of resting in week 17 because of what happened to them in the middle of the year. Go in. Wow, look at you. That's you how Tom Coughlin used to do man. it. Yeah, well, I mean, starters Belichick, it does it year by year depending on how he thinks his team is looking. For instance, if they had clinched everything this year, I don't think there's any chance they would rest anyone in Week 17 because I don't think he thinks they look good enough. And the, the one weird thing though, is, is Patrick Mahomes going to start this game? Well, we'll talk about that on Andy. I think the ideal scenario is you play so great against the Broncos that you start sitting guys early in the second half because you're you up go. three scores. That, yeah, that's the best scenario. And I think Reed's history is that he does rest players. So we'll see how, how it plays out. Right. One last stat before we get And I think we have to say goodbye to Colleen. I know. I was going to hit the alarm. I know. Um, this is just a fun stat revolving, involving the Dolphins. Um, Landry, Jarvis Landry went five for 51. He now has an NFL leading 103 catches this season. His stat line, 103 for 895 and eight touchdowns. This bro can potentially drop a 110 spot for catches as a wide receiver and not eclipse a 1,000 yards. Wow. Meanwhile, <laughs> it just seems a little weird. Meanwhile, Todd Gurley's averaging like 12 yards per catch more than half I ta- the receivers. I talked to a Handsome Hank who's uh, on our – You're talking to lots of people it's, all over the building. Yeah. My instant messenger client, I said, Jarvis Landry, this is a weird stat line. I don't like it. Is this guy actually being used properly? Can he, would he be better in a, a different role? And he seemed to be – you know, he's a pure slot receiver, but – 103 for 895? Come on. Come on. Let me get some yardage. Before you go, Colleen, we have a great listener, Mark Lemcooler, who sent us a ton of gifts. And one of them was, if you can watch in the video show, popcorn mixed with chocolate popcorn. It sounds like something that's up here. This is exactly what I had last week that made me sick. And now I'm going to probably just do it all over (laughs) again tonight. Connie's Connie's Tuesday night is locked down. It is. It is. I'm I'm coming off of a night where I also had lots of sweets. So this is great. I woke up with the shakes a little bit and it was not from alcohol. It was from sugar. I'm just saying. All right. I got to go. Bye. protest too much. That's it. I got to go. That's my sound. The sound. The lady doth protest too much. (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) 
No one asking, but she's telling us not from alcohol. Like, no, no I wasn't hungover at all. Yes. What are you guys talking about? None of us concerned originally about that. But didn't bring it up. Except Colleen. her purse and a wine bottle falls out. <laughs> Those little mini wine bottles. Bottle of Jack falls out of her pocket. Like, right, Whoa, whiskey? Uh, come back in the off season for the intervention podcast. Of the only female I know that would categorize as a wino. I don't know a lot of female winos. Personally, I do. I mean, you see them around personally. You got, you know any moms? Sure. Moms, you know. Mom. I don't talk to mom. I'm not really even talking to moms. You should. So you got to reconnect with your wife. It's very important. <laughs> my, I, my wife is not a, a wino. <laughs> intervention this, is an underrated show. There is. I have not. Good seen show. It. Very good show. A little depressing. There is a um, a wine bottle a brand that I actually got from my mom once as a joke uh, called Mommy's Little Helper. Just <laughs> funny. It's a weird culture that we live in. Let's uh, move on to a, a sad NFC North game. Hunley fakes a throw to the left. Now he whips it out to the right, intercepted by Harrison Smith at the 48-yard line. Two picks tonight for Harrison Smith, who has a five oh. this season. And uh, the Vikings turn over Green Bay once again. I don't even know if I can go on with the show after listening to that. Anyway, <laughs> bit the, downbeat. The Minnesota Vikings uh, shut out uh, their opponent for the first time in over 20 years. How about that? Uh, beating up on the Green Bay Packers uh, without Aaron Rodgers, 16 to zip on Saturday night in Lambeau Field. Uh, the Vikings still in the mix to get uh, um, the. Well, they're still in the mix for a bye, right? They have a bye. They have a bye, and they're still in the mix they're, for they, number they one. Are, they need to clinch the bye. They are in great position. All they need is a win or even a loss by the Panthers to officially clinch it. Mark, there were a lot better things to do on Saturday night before Christmas than watch this version of the Packers uh, against the uh, purple people eaters of today. <laughs> this was a sleepy affair. I mean, I, Greg, you mentioned that the Vikings offense didn't exactly – uh, rain down vengeance on Green Bay, but they did what they needed to do. And Harrison Smith, snubbed by the Pro Bowl voters, I don't know what else could go wrong with that scenario. But I, I, <laughs> this, to me, is another example. And look, the Vikings, I think we trust deeply. It starts with their defense. It extends to their offense. There isn't a part of the Vikings roster or team that you could point to and say some sort of Achilles heel or a weakness that has this concern. It's the exact opposite. The team-building situation in Green Bay... You talk about them not shutting them out in 20 years because you had, through that entire time, obviously, Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. It is embarrassing to watch what happens to this Green Bay team the minute you take one player off the field. They are simply not a good football team outside of it's having Aaron Rodgers. It's not any player, though. It's one they, of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. But I don't think they'd be a good team this year with Aaron Rodgers, and there's no way to ever find out. I question if they be, would make the because, play. They started off because, well with them, though. You know, Clay... They did. Yeah, the but logic even breaks down because they were a successful team with Aaron Rodgers in the lineup. It's, right. It, but they if you remember those games, it was like slogging against uh, Mike Glennon and the Bears. It was different games. It was games like that where Aaron Rodgers' brilliance carried them, and he could have carried them far like he does every year. But ultimately, I mean, when you go up against balanced teams, I don't think the Packers, because of what you're saying, would have had enough. I just wonder if there's a lot of changes coming on that roster in the offseason. But back to Minnesota, I mean – I, Matthews, I, Jordy Nelson, a lot of guys. All those guys could go. I love watching the Vikings play, and it, this wasn't the most exciting version of, of the team, but I, I really feel like they could knock anyone off in the NFC. I cannot wait. To, I love to see them play the Rams. That would be a fascinating NFC title it's game. one of the more depressing games I've watched this season just because of the hopelessness of it all. Mm. Minnesota was just such a superior team and and 
and Hundley is just you know he's he's a tough watch. Let's face it. And they're a better team than the, than Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers though. Uh, I think it would really have so. been a great game because what Aaron Rodgers does when he's healthy is he shocks you and he does things yep. and carries that team. We saw it last year and every other year he's been healthy just about, uh, but we're not going to see it. And we're stuck with that version of the Packers, which was a tough watch. Let's face it. It absolutely was, but it shouldn't take away any of the joy of the Vikings fans on Christmas Eve Eve to take over Lambeau Field and start doing your skull chants late in the night. <laughs> you, you shouldn't True. feel bad at all that Brett Hundley's that quarterback because you know what you went in there you know and had Joe Webb in a playoff oh, game please. you had Christian Ponder sure. enjoy this moment they're going to end up with the most wins they've had or the second most in 57 years so like savor this and not got a chance to host the Super Bowl right. like enjoy these nothing next about weeks. this Vikings team is fluky I mean you always point to certain teams that get these 13 and 3 or 12 and 4 records to say come on but not with this Vikings team they are legit chance to have play the Super Bowl in their home stadium, which would be incredible. The Vikings are, in a lot of ways, a, a cursed franchise. They've had a lot of heartache over the decades. Things have really broken well for them this year. Both the Carson Wentz injury, Aaron Rodgers disappearing. And point. they, of course, lost Sam Bradford, but then they, they had these guys waiting in the wings, Case Keenum waiting in the wings. This is all lining up in a really uh, positive uh, inspiring way for a Minnesota Vikings fan, but and one of my closest friends back in New York is randomly a Vikings fan. I don't know how it happened, but uh, Greg, you know who you are, Greg with one G. Um, something bad happens to the Vikings, and I'm worried the the fans are with it all in front of them. But that's for another time. That's for January. I hope that this team does. Uh, take care of business because I think they're good enough to go to the Super Bowl, but they are the Vikings. Well, in their corner, Eagles fans would say the same about their team. Rams fans have no idea what's happening right now. <laughs> right. So it's like the Saints fans, I mean, everyone's sort of waiting for the other shoe to drop. Eagles on some fans level. had the same ba- baggage uh, and they got burned and yeah. they lost their quarterback. We'll get to them in a little bit. Rams fans, you're right. There's a little bit of an unknown entity to them, which is a good thing. Let's move on. In comes Jake Elliott. Hold your breath. Ball is spotted. Kick is away. It's got the distance. It's gone! He did it again. (laughs) Now, maybe the call from the Vikings-Green Bay game could learn a little bit of a lesson in terms of enthusiasm right there. (laughs) Merrill Reese and Mike Quick. WIP with the call. Jake Elliott atoned for an earlier miss with a 48-yard uh, field goal right down the middle, 22 seconds to play. The Eagles tacked on another one of those silly lateral touchdowns. I think the people in the desert might have enjoyed that. Uh, and they clinched the number one <laughs> seed uh, for the NFC playoffs, a sloppy 19-10 to win for the Eagles over the Raiders on Christmas night. Uh, and Mark, uh, the Eagles, they found a way against an inferior opponent, but one can imagine Eagles fans aren't wildly overconfident as we get closer to the playoffs right now. I found this game far from a delight to witness uh, uh, late on Christmas night. I was not what I needed in my life, but I will say this. Wife and kids weren't plugged into this one? I don't think I uh, earned any points by you know, <laughs> locking myself away to watch this on the couch for three hey, plus you're hours. you're professional, bro. You're a pro. Oh, there are other opinions probably inside my household. But I will say this. Can I always do like the game pass next morning route. It saves eh. time. These days start early for us. I don't know about that. Hey, whatever. You sat through it. If you're an Eagles fan, the Eagles ruined Christmas is what Mark's saying. Go yeah, they, they basically. I I come out of this really concerned about because you know last week's very promising showing on offense and and in promising game by Nick Foles came against the Giants defense, which is you know what do you judge coming out of that? 
I don't know what to take from this, to be honest, if, the, if I'm the Eagles, other than a major concern. I would be very, very, concerning. very nervous if I'm an Eagles fan that if this is closer to the version of reality now post Carson Wentz, that I'm going to host the playoff game in the second week of the playoffs and we're going to find ourselves down, you know, 14 to 6 late in the third quarter and we can't move the ball and Nick Foles cannot escape pressure and he can't make a throw because he doesn't have a big arm and I'm very nervous Definitely the weather sucks. Arm. That's not a problem. The, I'm it's more, the accuracy of the big it arm. Is, uh, it is a real concern uh, that you're going to get an instant replay against us against a good team in the play. I don't feel like they're a team that could play from behind very well and no. this is what you're going to get. No. The, the one thing, and I would be really concerned because Gruden pointed out, Foles very streaky. I mean, this guy's got the NFL record for touchdowns in a game. Uh, he looked great a week ago. When things start going bad, they really start going bad. When he starts getting pressure in the pocket, he was just so flustered, making poor decisions of when to run, when to throw. Like he had a, a first down just sitting in front of him late in the game, and he threw the ball out of bounds, which was just like a, a mental sort of midget moment. At least the defense. Oh, wow. At least the defense bounced back from a few bad weeks and won this game for them in a way that is surprising. And as bad as they've played the last two weeks overall, they did find a way to win those games and get that one seed, which is important because yep. I think yeah, they are going to need everything that they can get. I mean, since the moment Wentz got hurt, they were trailing in the in the Rams game, found a way to win that, found a way to win, so at least like they've got the number one seed. Does the NFL need to look at these late-year Saturday slash holiday games and say, we've got to find a way to not give America the Houston Texans, which is an automatic loss, and a Raiders-Eagles game that yeah, really it had could have been, juice. It's just bad luck. Last year, you got literally the game of the year on Christmas. This year, you could have had Deshaun Watson. You've had a team who's been in the playoffs three straight years, and you thought Raiders were not going to be... Couldn't there you be an said, opportunity to say, hey, instead of wishing for good luck... Right. We could maybe a month ahead or two months ahead flex something in. I think a it's ahead. that important on Christmas. I think, and you look at the NBA. They're uh, not going to mess with people's families in Christmas like that. They're going to. It's just. It's. I mean, they messed with ours. Yeah. When you look at the NBA, for instance, and it's in the middle of a season, of course, it's a different setup. But they give you Warriors, Cavs uh, on Christmas afternoon. Thunder Rockets is the other national game. Two of the best teams in that conference. The NFL is locking in the schedule for sa- uh, Christmas Day and Christmas night. I think that's something that's an important, and I know it only happens once every six or seven years, where you maybe flex and make sure these are great games because, frankly, I don't think it was a good look, look for the league to have these dog teams involved on what's a really high-profile sports day for people. I just think it's unavoidable. I mean, if, if Deshaun Watson and Carson Wentz are in this game, but they're not. Games, but we loved them. They're not going to flex out. It's just you can't. You're not going to flex out a team that's not. Well, honestly, this? it would have been better without without the games than bad games. How about this? Don't have games on Christmas then. If you're going to potentially, and I, I imagine we just saw they canceled the Week 17 uh, uh, prime it's time shocking game. bit of restraint by the NFL. And I wonder, I just wonder honestly if they saw the way Christmas looked, and it wasn't a great look, and I'm sure it wasn't a ratings bonanza, and they said, well, we don't want to do that again. And I know there was another reason, and it was about the competitive nature I don't think it was even the setup. A, I don't think there was any decision. When I worked at NBC every year, the main thing was you had to have a game that was going to be not affected by what happened earlier. And there were many complaints over the years. The Bengals-Jets got into Sunday night a couple years in a row when there were better teams 
available, but they didn't know for sure. The Titans played the Colts backups one year when there were better games available. But again, they had there was a scenario where those games weren't going to matter. I think it just happened that this is the year that, that, that for the first time ever that there were no games. So they just didn't even have a choice. But I guess they could have thrown some ham and egg or contest up there, and they didn't. And that's actually yeah. kind of a crazy promising move by the end of the Derek, Derek Carr, by the way, is going to go into the offseason with a lot of people doubting him. We will never know how much his back injury is affecting him, but right. he is just not the same guy. I think there were five or six turnovers in the second half. That was a very strange game overall. Let's uh, move in and, and check. This was a loser goes home match uh, on Christmas Eve in Big D. And from 48, Bailey's kick is well. Humongous distance, and he missed that one to the right. Wow. wow. Dan Bailey pushed a chip shot right for the closing act in a dizzying red zone fail for the Cowboys and a 21-12 loss to the Seahawks, who peeled themselves, off, peeled themselves off the mat following last week's humiliation against the Rams at the clink. We'll get to the Seahawks in a second, but I want to start with that sequence uh, because it represented the epitome of a team coming up small when it mattered most. The Cowboys down 21-12. Uh, they have first and goal at the Seattle three-yard line with 7.54 to play. Everything is set up in front of him. Zeke Elliott back from suspension. And what happens? Uh, They throw the ball twice. They take a sack. uh, And then they have to settle for a field goal. It's like, all right, Dan Bailey can count on him. He pushes it right, as you heard. And all of a sudden, it's a two-score game uh, with five minutes to play. Game over. And you have to be wondering what was going through Jerry Jones's mind because they cut to, which I love when they do this for high-profile Cowboys losses, they cut immediately to Jarrah's box uh, as the right. kick sails right, and Jones gets up and walks out. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, boy, uh, with that play calling and the fact that the Cowboys are going to go 8-8 eight and eight or 9-7 and seven and miss the playoffs, could heads roll in Dallas after a loss of this magnitude? Well, our guy Ian Rapport says it's not going to happen, and Jerry Jones is kind of putting it out there that that's not even a consideration that Jason Garrett will will be there. You know, I think he could end up changing his coordinators. You know, Rod Marinelli is the name you hear most. I, I don't know if Rod Marinelli is the problem. He certainly wasn't the problem in this game. No. The Seahawks had 136 yards. The Seahawks won a game where they had more penalty yards, 142, oh than they goodness. had yards on offense. To me, these were these are two dead teams and one of them had to win. Sorry, Seahawks. And maybe that you have enough they have enough like championship kind of medal inside of them that they're gonna find their way into the playoffs. But for a team that's been in Super Bowls, I don't know if a first round loss is gonna feel that exciting. If you're a Cowboys fan and you knew ahead of time that you were gonna hold at one point MVP candidate Russell Wilson and the Seahawks to sixty net yards passing, <laughs> seventy six yards on the ground You'd say, you know what? We're the team heading to the well, playoffs. And this is why I'm, I'm surprised uh, why Jason Garrett has so much rope in that organization is because this is not the first time the Cowboys have come up small in a high-profile spot. And they've only been to the playoffs, what, twice in his time there? And this is a bitterly disappointing season. I know the Zeke suspension kind of wreaked havoc on this team, maybe behind the scenes as much as it did in terms of losing your best offensive player for six games. But I just don't understand. Garrett, to me, you wonder if he's part of the problem, why the Cowboys never are never able to put together back-to-back big seasons, why they come up small down the stretch in these games, why they lose these playoff games in these ways. Why should Garrett be so safe? I thought 
I think it's. I I'm think kinda, if I'm a Cowboys fan, I'm probably getting a little annoyed of seeing Jason Garrett being perturbed on the sideline. You're not. You're not alone. I think that they the, long ages ago when there were issues about Garrett potentially coming back, Jones has said over and over, we he was our backup quarterback back in the day. He's been an assistant with us, a head coach. They feel like they put decades of work into Jason Garrett. So you have to find someone <laughs> that they believe enough in to switch. Secondly, I think there's enough hubris within this organization to think, well, think Jerry so, Jones too. on down thinks, oh, we're a Super Bowl team every year. We're a Super Bowl team and what happened this year is the NFL's fault for yeah. doing this to Ezekiel Elliott versus our own issues on offense. Right, but it's not. It's it's their passing game's fault ultimately. And I'm not putting that all on Dak Prescott. It's on the coaches, it's on Des Bryant, it's on you know Jason Witten, Terrence Williams in terms of just the the personnel that they've had over the years. When push came to shove with Zeke out, the passing game was miserable and for most really of the season they've been erratic at best. And they never could figure it out. And they're just not good enough otherwise. You don't have a good enough de- – they had to be a great offense, and they were so far from it with, with Dak. And I think it's unfair to call it a, a La Raville Magnifico season for Dak Prescott. No. But at the same time, again, he, he did not show up in this game. That interception, the pick six, I mean, that was a bad throw and a bad decision, bad footwork. He did not – they really needed him to kind of – be at a higher level to make up for a lot of things this year. And I don't think he was up to it this year. Maybe he is down the stretch, but I don't think he was ready for it this year. Just a lost season for the Cowboys. It, it is. And, and the Seahawks, their scenario is very doable. The NFL it, does a good job uh, of setting up all the games that matter at the same time of day. So they will kick off at the same time the Panthers and Falcons kick off. And all they need is the Panthers to lose that game. And they need to beat the Cardinals in Seattle and they're Dancing right. and, and very possibly going to Los Angeles for round three with the Rams, which is interesting. <laughs> and they did split, by the way. We all remember that they got absolutely plastered two weeks ago, yep. but they beat them in L.A. already this season. So we'll see how it plays out. Let's check in. Listen, we, we're here to talk Broncos Redskins. So let's get to it. Cousins going to float it. Man is wide open. Dotson at the 25, 20, 10, 5. Touchdown. Touchdown Redskins. Josh Dotson. Finally. Brings in, baby. Uh, yes. Oh, yes. Kirk Cousins threw for 299 and three touchdowns. That could have been his last home game with the Redskins. They beat the Broncos 27-11. to 11. Um, Greg, the Brock Osweiler hot streak lasted exactly <laughs> one game. And is there anything else we need to really talk about in regards to this game? No. Let's I, dig in. I think we should treat the rest of the show as a speed round. I mean, it, Jay, Jay Gruden, I guess. <laughs> I can't believe it. If, if these last couple weeks mean anything, it, it might be Jay Gruden's, you know, chance to keep his job if that's if that's open if they win these games and get and yet there's whispers that the Bengals are you know quietly interested in Jay Gruden and and for, and similarly for the Broncos I think there are definitely questions about Vance Joseph after this year there are so many and I, I want to write about this it's I've never seen as many teams that are up in the air in terms of coaches practically half the league yeah it's pretty crazy and you have to factor that in teams that are on the bubble do we want to fire a coach when half right. the league is trying to right. hire a new exactly coach? i think when you have someone like jay gruden that to me who i think has been a good coach should be a reason not to fire and him. that's because your, that's you your answer with garrett because garrett will turn around and get another job in two seconds yeah people say yeah. that that's yeah, like what they, that. i don't that's know like, i i think you garrett would get hired as a head coach what quickly bring i don't know he doesn't he's not involved in the offense or the defense i would take jay gruden over todd bowles I take Jay Gruden over Jason Gruden will get hired in a second, too. All right, let's uh, move on. 
Andy Dalton takes the snap. He hands it off to Giovanni Bernard. Gio bounces it wide. Heads for the end zone and scores. A touchdown for the Bengals. (laughs) That should be Coffin Nails. Bam, bam, bam. Wow, I like the, right. I like it. See, you know, every win matters. Dan Horde and Dave Lappin, WEBN with the call. Gio Bernard ran for 116 and a touch in the closing minutes, sending the Bengals to a 26-17 win uh, over the Lions that knocked Detroit out of playoff contention. Hey, guys, maybe get to training camp on time next summer. <laughs> Lessons learned. <laughs> how about how about this for an literally angle? showed up the first day possible? <laughs> Just pointing that out. Uh, how about this for an angle? The Bengals football uh, football's worst team over the previous two weeks pulled off a win for the Gipper <laughs> in what was supposed to be Marvin Lewis's final home game in Cincinnati, thus opening the door for a dramatic contract extension this week. Buy or sell? <laughs> hard well, Marvin sell. Lewis is an idiot. A hard sell. He doesn't want to be there. He doesn't want to be the coach of the Bengals. My least favorite storyline these final weeks are the press conferences when they ask Lewis about you know him leaving, and they said, well, was this an emotional game for you? And he's like, why would it be emotional? Why would it be emotional? You know something I don't? It's like, bro, it's, just what are you What are you? you you've operated to, as the source of these reports. What are you trying to do? Yeah. What are you trying to do? Jim Caldwell, meanwhile, who has kind of a you know, similarly uh, doesn't like giving much away in a press conference at, you know, talked on. It's like blinking. <laughs> and they asked him, like, you know, is there anything your team excelled at this season? And he said, no, there hasn't been anything across the board we've been good at. Well, that's fair because that's true. Not a good case to keep your job. Another blah season for the Lions. And we'll see if Jim. I think Powell you're, you're going to see a former Patriots coordinator in, in Detroit next year. Whether, Charlie Weiss, whether it's Patricia or that makes Daniels, sense with the GM. One, there. One of those guys. But Chaz Weiss gets another shot. No, no, I think he's like a current Patriots. I think his, someone uh, employed by the Patriots. I think his University of Kansas one was really <laughs> took him out. All right, let's let's move. KU, on. KU. Kobe Brissett empties the backfield. He stands in the gun, takes the snap, throws, incomplete. No, no, no flag. flag. No flag. No flags. The haze in the barn, and the Ravens' playoff hopes are still very much intact. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Jerry Sandusky and Jarrett Johnson, WBAL with a call. Yes, the Baltimore Ravens got the stop they needed at the end of the game, and Joe Flacco threw for 237 and two touchdowns uh, as the Ravens took a step closer to the playoffs with a 23-16 win over the Colts on Saturday. Uh, Baltimore will get into the playoffs as an AFC wildcard if they could beat the Bungles at home next Sunday, which is not going to be easy. Not with Marvin Lewis still on the sidelines. The Ravens. <laughs> well, Marvin way, Lewis is an idiot. Greg have won five of star- five of six following their four and five start. And this was that kind of like grinded out win that makes you think they can make some noise if they get into the postseason. Sneaky good game in a weekend that didn't have many. No turnovers, just about no penalties. Uh, long drives. It was tense. If you didn't know that the, if you just took away the fact that the Colts are terrible and the Ravens aren't pretty to watch, it was actually kind of a fun late season football game. I'm a little worried as a guy who I think the Ravens could go to the Super Bowl, but they have not played that level of defense over the last few weeks, including in this game where they let Jacoby Brissett go up and down the field quite a bit. And the, their whole recipe for making the Super Bowl is with a very good defense. And they just haven't been the same since Jimmy Smith got hurt. And I don't know if that's the reason. I don't know if that's going to change when they get to the playoffs. 
I don't see them as a Super Bowl team on on any level. We've obviously differed on this one. Uh, they can win a playoff. Blackos played well over the last month. Seven touchdowns, seven yards per attempt. So is one, Big Ben, and so will Tom Brady when right. it matters. I mean, it's it's like I, I get it. They're, You're counting they're, on special teams and defense and a league-leading turnover margin. I mean, these are recipes that are, have happened before. And people think about like the, these old Ravens days. Hey, newsflash, this is what old Ravens games look like. It's not like they won pretty back then either. You'd also need like a flock of star players in the AFC to be like taken away, kidnapped by you know Baltimore-area kidnappers. <laughs> Low-level Baltimore criminals <laughs> to come in and help out New England, you know, take out New England and, and get Big Ben removed. Like mezzanine-level criminals. Yeah. Um, how about this, Greg? You mentioned special teams, but I'm going to call him out. Mr. Justin Tucker, who doesn't miss any kicks at all. 17-17 in Foxborough in the divisional playoffs, and Tucker comes on for a 53-yarder. It could all happen. That's what I'm saying. Turnovers, special teams. The defense needs to be better because I think we're at a, a point with Joe Flacco where now he's, like, okay again. Yep. He's okay, and the, but the defense needs to be better. Uh, let's move on. Pressure coming. It's picked up. Roethlisberger throws wide open over the middle. Juju Smith-Schuster will walk in for the touchdown. And Smith-Schuster will sit Indian style underneath the goalposts to celebrate his touchdown, making it 33-6 Steelers. Tricky to narrate Juju Smith-Schuster's touchdown celebrations. There's always a lot going on there. Uh, That is Bill Hillgrove, WDVE. With the call, uh, Ben Roethlisberger threw for 226 yards and two touchdowns, and the Steelers clinched a first-round playoff by with a 34-6 win over the Houston Texans on Monday. Greg, this was as easy as the final score indicated. They looked awesome, and I'm not sure if the the second half of the season Steelers offense is ever going to get to play with the first half of the season Steelers defense because if that team ever played, that's the Super Bowl champions. That's the best team in the league. Their defense had, you know, defense played great in this game. I don't know if what you can take out of it, but that loaded offense, we were so excited about coming into the season. It's here. You need Antonio Brown back, but maybe Smith Schuster and Vance McDonald, who's playing well, and Bryant are getting even more reps in a bigger role in these couple of weeks here, and that's going to help them in the playoffs if Brown is Brown. There have been a lot of big blowouts and wipeouts this season, but this was about as powerful yeah. and utter destruction yeah. of an opponent that you've... This game felt over, and I know I often like say this, and sometimes it's not always true, but like <laughs> eight or nine minutes in, yes. you knew this thing was right. utter toast for the Texans. Yeah. You got the terrible towels waving oh. throughout energy field. It was a and, great sign for this offense, and I, it's it's the second week. It's it, to, to be able to do what they did in the passing game, it's still it's, it's still you're still playing an NFL defense. They just, they just mauled them. With the Steelers, keep in mind, they are 12-3, and three. And they lost Antonio Brown early in their showdown against the Pats and yep. still outplayed New England and should have won that game if not for some interference from the rule book. And it puts you in a situation where it's like, yes, 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 the Steelers are the real deal contender against the Pats. Would it have been saucier if it was in New England? Potentially. But I still believe in their chances mm. because they're, they are a machine. They are, this team is ready to win. And and. This is, pro- this is going into kind of mental territory, which you don't really know, but just judging the Steelers over the years, I feel like going through those tough games, Cincinnati, Baltimore, and New England, and having lost that New England game, maybe isn't the worst thing for this team, which feels itself a little too much sometimes, like losing that game. You know, maybe it gets them a little refocused. I'm with ready you. To go. I'll say catch of the year maybe by DeAndre Hopkins. 
Yeah, that was the one little bit of juice that this game got later on. Uh, Hopkins making a leaping, tapping the ball with one hand into his other hand and then somehow getting two mm. feet down. In fact, our boy, Mike Tarico uh, of ESPN, he knew he had a dog ha- game on his hands, so he really soaked up what was one of the catches of the year. So I asked Lindsay to cut together a little sizzle reel of Tarico's reaction to that play. <laughs> Here's Hilton blitzing off the slot again. Passer Hopkins. Oh, my goodness. Did he catch that? Did he catch that? That's the touchdown catch of the year if that's good. They're still talking about it. There's a flag down. If he got that inbound, that's the touchdown catch of the year. Oh, Merry Christmas. That's unbelievable. <laughs> what wow. he just did. So let's see. It's what, hard what, to tell. Did he get that second foot yeah. down? Possession there. Or did it just One land foot on down. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think anything else is down. Uh, it's a bummer. <laughs> I don't care. Let's check it out here. <laughs> see him get the one toe down. Let's start Warner. You're Tariq oh, There's alive. one. There's oh, yeah, the they're down. They're down. You got him. That angle. Great job, guys. That angle gives it to you. Wow. <laughs> He's the best. That's sick. Your that is unbelievable. It's so on point. He is, the, he is the best of the best by far right now. I was thinking of watching this game, the way he was like setting up Kurt Warner. He is so good. He Like how you view Bob Costas. I think a pro lot, down, of, a lot of kids, how Mark Sessler views Mark, yes. Bob Costas growing up. Costas I, in the day. I feel like some kids uh, should be growing up feeling about Mike Tirico. That's how good he is. Well, By the way, Tirico feels that way about Costas. And he's going to pass Bob Syracuse Costas. grads. One of the um, aspects that makes Tirico so pleasurable to listen to is, like Tony Romo, he's like way into the game. You can tell he loves what he's doing. Maybe get those two together and let's fly. I like that. No, but one, <laughs> one guy, Hilton, on that play, not the, not the greatest thing that happened to him, but that guy... The Steelers found something in Mike Hilton. Let's move on. This is like the ninth week in a row. He's been awesome. Kaiser shotgun takes the snap. Looks right. Up in the pocket. Dumps it off. Higgins caught it. He's got a first down. He gets back up and runs at the 15, at the 10, at the 9, at the 5. And he fumbles into the end zone. And the Bears recover it. Prince Amukamara's got it. He's running in the end zone. And he goes down in the end zone as he is tagged down on the play. Jim Donovan, WKNR, with the call. The Cleveland Browns are 0-15. Deshaun Kaiser threw two more interceptions to pad his NFL worst total, and the Browns coughed it up twice overall in the red zone. A 20-3 loss to the Bears. Uh, even the old Zeus are trying to throw them some positive lock juju did not help the Brownies, who are now faced with the challenge of upsetting the hated Steelers. To avoid the second 0-16 season in NFL history, not good, Mark. But the good news is you do have the first pick in the draft. Yeah, and it's uh, it's going to be a very interesting next couple of weeks if you're uh, John Dorsey, the new general manager, or anyone that follows this team. Because I don't understand, despite various reports that Hugh Jackson has you know ownership support, how do you go into this into this off season and into next year trying to sell? What's happened over the past two years to this fan base? I mean, they they are a team that I think with a better coaching staff should have four to five wins. We've been saying that for a long time. The way they lose these games is beyond hexed in nature. It's incredible. The, inc- the, the stuff that happens in the red zone over and over weekly. I thought this game turned when Miles Garrett had a really athletic, fantastic pick six of Mitchell Trubisky. And then it was called back by a flag. I mean, they cannot catch a break. On the Bears' side, I think you got, in the second half, one of the better performances by Mitchell Trubisky. It wasn't, it's not flashy. That doesn't happen for him in this, in this 
Bears regime right now, but he picked apart Cleveland's secondary. Every part of the Browns fell apart down the stretch in this game. 0-16, that's what they're going to be. You're not, you, you could, Pittsburgh could put the bottom half of its roster on the field and find a way to beat Cleveland. And the Steelers still have a chance to right home field advantage. They, they uh, line up at the same time as the Patriots, so you would think Tomlin is going to play his starters, although he might be scoreboard watching and call off the dogs at some point. We'll see. Let's move on. Here's the shotgun snap. He's back. He looks right. Comes back left. Garoppolo moving to his left. Being chased. Throws end zone. It is caught. Touchdown San Francisco. Trent Taylor with the catch. A five-yard strike from Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, Ted Robinson, KSAN with the call. Jimmy G. God. Jimmy Garoppolo threw two touchdown passes. Ran for another touchdown. And the 49ers won their fourth straight uh, with their new QB, a 44-33 to win over the Jags at the big bell bottom. Uh, quiet storm, it is looking increasingly likely that the 49ers will never lose again. Did Jimmy G and the Niners expose Jacksonville's vaunted defense on Sunday? They seem to be exposing Spicy. everyone Everyone they play. This was a very bizarre game. Um, let me start with Jacksonville, that they clinched the AFC South minutes into this thing. Uh, which I guess a team could react in various ways. Sure. But with it, they went on to have one of the ugliest losses you could imagine from a team that's been really kind of one of the turnaround stories of the league, where at one point Malik Jackson and Aaron Colvin are battling each other Stop on the it. Jaguars' sideline. There was a later, like, later on where the receivers coach and a receiver getting into it. Keenan and they, McCardo. Yeah, Keenan McCardo, a Jacksonville legend. But it's just they... And they, then fights throughout the game or... or it, Penalties, awful penalties, like late on. Yeah, and I mean, and, and then you, uh, on field, Jimmy G and I already am seeing people. There's already a backlash uh, where people saying, "Settle down on Jimmy Garoppolo." You know, it, it's just a couple weeks. I get it. At the that same time, on your Twitter, are you taking heat for that? I mean, I I praised him because what I've seen week after week is just. Yet. Well, yeah, no, it's definitely if you if you tweet something out there, it's like chill out. It's like I would just say go watch him. I mean. He is the kind of guy that you look at what this team was when they had Brian Hoyer and everyone else under center, that it's a bunch of just dudes that look like they're barely going to hang on to the roster going into next season. And he is turning guys like Kyle Juszczyk, who I think is a good player, but he needs the right quarterback with him to make that happen, into a big play machine. I mean, Marquise Goodwin, like Garoppolo is making throws. He made more throws in the past couple of weeks, and honestly, in the back 20, 20 minutes of this game, then you will see some quarterbacks make all season. I, he I, is an artist. He's fantastic already, to watch. I think it's the trade of the decade. I think you got a yep. fat, young franchise passer for a well, second-round draft pick. That I would say, hold pick. on, off on. I want to see more before trade of the decade. Okay, well, I'm saying trade of the decade. It's looking that I way. I think to be able to uh, import someone with this potential who's showing immediate, uh, d- uh, giving an immediate dividends for the team and you didn't give up a first-round pick or multiple first-round picks or mortgage your future to get him, uh, that is a definition of an amazing trade. And But on the Jack, on the Jack side, Greg, that, that is a little bit concerning in terms of, and, and Wes talks about it a lot, um, that they're not a uh, come-from-behind team, and it, we saw that again in this game. This team ha- facing some adversity. How do they react if they fall behind? Like, are they a team that's going to keep it together when the game, when the the gauntlet of the playoffs arrives? Although they, they did fall behind sixty nothing and then took the lead. 
that was what was strange in this game. They made that comeback and then fell apart. I'm more worried about them just in terms of their maturity. I mean, the defense was the problem in this game. They could not get a stop. The maturity of hearing 49ers players and pretty much every opponent saying no team in the league talks more trash than the Jaguars. No team, I think, was more confident going into this game. And they played like a bunch of clowns. You got the bad Blake Bortles for most of this game making some Awful Blake Bortles. Uh, And Leonard Fournette has not been effective for a while now. And I don't think it's on him. And it's a little bit of a coincidence that all their best games are without Leonard Fournette. But it's a problem when you can't establish the run. And they couldn't in this game. So... I think they're just like an immature team, and and this was a big immature game, and you would think they'll bounce back from it. I think they were incredibly frustrated by Garoppolo, too, and that's that's weeks in a row where defenses seem to feel that way, and now you got, what, the Rams and the the Niners next this Sunday? That's going to be an interesting game. The quick thing on Jimmy G is it's not just Jimmy G. It's Jimmy G and who I think is the best offensive mind slash play caller in the league, Kyle Shannon. You put those two together, a lot of open guys in this game, and you're really cooking with gas. All right, let's uh, (laughs) one more game to get to. It's the one everyone's been waiting for. <laughs> Third and two for the Giants on their 28th. And the pressure on Eli Manning. He fumbles the ball. It's picked up by Kim Dietschy at the 15. He breaks a tackle at the 10, running to the 5, into the end zone for a touchdown. Dave Pass, KTAR. Kim Dietschy, Kim Dietschy, Kim Dietschy. Why did you fall out that window? Kim Dietschy, Kim Dietschy, Kim Dietschy. No sacks or forced fumbles this season. Weren't you supposed to have your breakout season? Kim Dietschy, Kim Dietschy, Kim Dietschy. It's a great question because he looked amazing in the preseason. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, that's why people were waiting. Yeah, this whole Cardinals team, though, if you look <laughs> holiday back... Holiday tune for the ages. <laughs> can you find two teams that played each other this weekend? I mean, that really have had more depressing seasons when we went into this into into September thinking... There Cardinals, might be at least, you can if you're a Cardinals fan, and it just was bad luck. It was a lot of injuries. Considering everything, the fact they're 7-8, and eight, and uh, if this was Larry Fitzgerald's final game, he goes over 100 yards... He goes over 100 catches for the season, has a monster game. Felt like one of those games, hey, let's just feed Larry right. and let the home crowd enjoy it. And you know what? It's because he can deliver because he's still the best player on their offense. It's pretty amazing that he did it. Remember the shady lawyer from The Simpsons, voiced by Phil Hartman? He would abandon his client at the first sign of trouble, and then he would leave behind <laughs> his briefcase, and they'd open the briefcase, and it would just be filled with like confetti and shredded paper. <laughs> That, no, that, but I wish I did. <laughs> that was the that how I imagined the game plan for Week 16. Look for the Giants. It was a 23 nothing loss, by the way. There was no reason to win this game. You you are one week away, two weeks away from getting one of the top two picks in what is said to be a premium quarterback draft class. Class, this is exactly what the Giants should be doing. I don't care if they get shut out. I don't care if Eli looks old again. The yeah. Giants are doing exactly what they should be doing. Get yep. to 2-14 and, and start over. Although people got a little too excited honking after last week. And I'm thinking of your boy, Mike Francesa, about like, this is the Eli that could have been there all year if he was good. It's like, all right, it was one game here. Let's yeah, but that. Let's to, that. that's fair, but also just fair. Just got shut out in Arizona. He did throw for 400 against the contender yeah. without Odell Beckham. So right. th- there is a op- possibility that Eli is something on the tank with a good team. This sure. is not a good team. Whatever. There you go. That's week 16 recap in full. Thank you to everyone for listening. Remember, this is our video show. Uh, so if you go to NFL.com slash ATN video at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific, it should be there. If and, you can uh, find it, tell us how. And uh, you can enjoy enjoy it all. And um, we will be back 
with our next show on Thursday, where, yes, we will preview uh, the final week of the regular season, and, and, and the playoff calculator will be uh, tuned up and ready to go, and uh, we are coming down the home stretch there, Sizzler. Let's do this thing. We are past the halfway point. <laughs> this is Dan Hansa signing off for Quiet Storm, Connie Fox in absentia, the old boss, Lindsay Fulton behind the glass, little Ryan Bartlett helping out today. Like that. Still Thursday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count.